These are bad, sick people. The Supreme Court's decision upholds designer Lori Smith's refusal to provide customized website services for same-sex marriages. In essence, this was a state case concerning an imaginary conflict that now is setting us back. It's even more disappointing as we close out Pride Month today. There's a saying that bad cases make bad law. She has never created a wedding website for anybody, including a same-sex couple. Fear is not our friend. Love is. Welcome to This Way Out, the international LGBTQ radio magazine. I'm Lucia Chappell. U.S. Supreme Court uses free speech to cripple queer rights. Nepal's top court orders marriage equality, and school board leader reads anti-queer protesters the Riot Act. Those stories and more this week now that you've chosen this way out. I'm Marcos Najera. And I'm Nico Raquel. With NewsWrap, a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBTQ communities around the world for the week ending July 1st, 2023. The U.S. Supreme Court has ruled that free speech, religious rights, can trump state anti-bias protections for LGBTQ people. By a 6-3 vote, the high court decided that a Colorado graphic designer's devout Christian beliefs give her the right to refuse to create wedding websites for same-gender couples. Most observers were not surprised by the right-leaning court's June 30th anti-queer ruling, announced the day after it struck down affirmative action programs for minority populations. The only astonishing thing about it was the hypothetical basis of the case. No queer couple ever asked designer Lori Smith to build them a wedding website. Smith had challenged Colorado's state anti-discrimination laws that she claimed would force her to serve LGBTQ people, despite her belief that marriage is for heterosexuals only. Trump-appointed Justice Neil Gorsuch wrote the opinion for the conservative court majority, citing Smith's First Amendment free speech rights. Justice Sonia Sotomayor's dissent lamented the ruling because it approves the right of a business open to the public to refuse to serve a protected group. Her dissent was supported by liberal colleagues Justices Elena Kagan and Katanji Brown-Jackson. Queer advocates like the ACLU's James Essex were quick to sound the alarm. He wrote, The fact that the high court has used the right to free speech to override non-discrimination protections, even in limited circumstances, is a seriously disturbing milestone. Stay tuned for more on this story after News Wrap. The government of Nepal is under an interim Supreme Court order to register the civil marriages of same-gender couples. This week's action includes non-traditional heterosexual couples, which would seem to mean transgender people as well. The decision was issued by a single high court justice, Til Prashad Shrestha, said the order would stay in place until lawmakers can amend existing marriage laws. The ruling puts Nepal on the path to becoming the 36th country to open civil marriage to same-gender couples, the first in Southern Asia. The first Asian marriage equality nation was Taiwan, where the law was enacted in 2019. Nepal is home to about 30 million people. Pinky Gurung leads the venerable Nepalese queer rights group, the Blue Diamond Society, 
and was one of the nine plaintiffs in the case. Gurung told reporters, As the parliament may take years to pass the marriage equality law, this order paves the way for members of sexual and gender minority communities who wish to register their marriage legally. This court ruling has established that we are equal citizens of this country. Queer activists and their allies were arrested for attempted pride in Turkey once again this week. Human Rights Watch counted 113 detainees in Istanbul and 52 in the western city of Izmir. Peaceful pride goers also faced overly aggressive police officers in Beşiktaş and Şihangir, and dozens were injured in all four cities. Istanbul once hosted one of the largest pride celebrations in the region. For the past several years, local governments have banned pride marches following the lead of vocally anti-LGBTQ president Rajib Tayyip Erdogan. The increasingly dictatorial Erdogan has ruled Turkey since 2003. He peppered the victory speech following his recent re-election with anti-queer epithets. Amnesty International Europe director Niels Mushnik says that in Turkey, under the pretext of protecting family values, the authorities are denying LGBTI people the right to live freely. Anti-queer laws by Republican-controlled states that target transgender young people are not faring well in U.S. courts. Federal judges have temporarily blocked most provisions of laws banning gender-affirming health care for trans minors in Tennessee and Kentucky. The only exception is a ban on gender-affirming surgery for trans people under the age of 18, procedures that are rarely, if ever, done anyway. Both Judge Eli Richardson of the U.S. District Court for the Middle District of Tennessee and Judge David Hale of the U.S. District Court for the Western District of Kentucky issued temporary injunctions this week. They both said that constitutional challenges to the laws by families with transgender children and health care providers are likely to succeed. Judge Michael Moses of Montana's 13th Judicial District Court ruled this week that the state's law making it harder for trans people to change the gender marker on their birth certificates is unconstitutional. But that's not all. He found Montana's health department in contempt of court for ignoring previous orders that temporarily banned enforcement of the statute. Signed into law by Republican Governor Greg Gianforte in 2021, it required trans people to undergo gender confirmation surgery and get a court to order the health department to make the paperwork change. Clearly angered by the authorities' refusal to abide by previous orders temporarily blocking the law, Moses also ordered the state to pay attorney's fees. The American Civil Liberties Union of Montana represented the plaintiffs in the constitutional challenge. It went differently in Kansas, where the state is going to reverse changes transgender people have made to match their gender identity on state documents. The Republican majority had enough votes to override a veto by Democratic Governor Laura Kelly in April. The law defines sex as either male or female at birth, period. The law reverses a 2019 federal court ruling that required Kansas to allow trans people to change the gender marker on their birth certificates. Attorney General Chris Kobach told reporters this week that the law would take effect on July 1st and birth certificates and driver's licenses will revert to the gender trans people were assigned at birth. It will also require public schools to track students based on their birth gender, even if teachers and other staff recognize the identities of trans, gender-fluid, non-conforming, and non-binary students. The legislation forces trans people to use sex-segregated public facilities like bathrooms and locker rooms based only on their birth gender. However, 
The law does not include a specific penalty for violations of that part of the law. Queer legal advocates plan to challenge the rights-reversing legislation. Arizona Governor Katie Hobbs issued two executive orders this week to advance LGBTQ equality. The Democrat made Arizona the 27th U.S. state to ban medically debunked conversion therapy for minors, which falsely claims to make queer people straight through counseling and prayer. Her second order requires the state employee health care plan to cover medically necessary gender-affirming surgery. Hobbs has promised to do everything in my power to fight for full equality, and she will continue working until Arizona is a place where every individual can participate equally in our economy and our workforce without fear of discrimination or exclusion. Jean Woodbury is the interim executive director for the statewide queer advocacy group Equality Arizona. She said in a statement, Protecting Arizonans from fraudulent and harmful treatment is exactly what we elect our statewide leaders to accomplish. Finally, Florida's Republican governor and wannabe presidential nominee Ron DeSantis lost another queer rights case in federal court. A U.S. district judge struck down yet another of the many anti-LGBTQ laws DeSantis has pushed through the Republican-heavy legislature. The Orlando owners of the Hamburger Mary's restaurant chain challenged a law that effectively targeted family-friendly drag shows. It threatened to revoke the business licenses of any venue that allowed minors to attend live shows with what it considered to be adult content. The law applied to live performances that included nudity, sexual conduct, sexual excitement, lewd conduct, or lewd exposure of prosthetic or imitation genitals or breasts. Of course, family-friendly drag shows are nothing like that. The plaintiffs argued that the law has nothing to do with children and everything to do with the continued oppression of the LGBTQ community. U.S. District Judge Gregory Presnell noted that Florida already has laws preventing minors from attending strip shows and other live events with nudity and overt sexuality. He refuted the idea that the law protects parents' rights. He said that the claim rings hollow when accompanied by the knowledge that Florida state law presently and independently permits any minor to attend an R-rated film at a movie theater if accompanied by a parent or guardian. The smackdown came just days after a decision against the state's ban on Medicaid for gender-affirming health care, government coverage for low-income families and individuals. DeSantis's press secretary said the state will appeal the drag ban ruling. That's News Wrap, global queer news with attitude, for the week ending July 1st, 2023. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community. News Wrap is written by Greg Gordon, edited by Lucia Chappelle, produced by Brian DeShazer, and brought to you by you. Thank you. Help keep us in ears around the world at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast and much more. For This Way Out, I'm Marcos Najera. Stay healthy. And I'm Nico Raquel. Stay safe. Our listeners support This Way Out in many ways. By subscribing to our e-newsletter, email us at info at thiswayout.org. And through your financial contributions to our program. More information about how you can give is online at thiswayout.org. Thank you. Hear ye! Hear ye! The coat's in session. The coat's in session now. Here come the judge. Here come the judge.
The U.S. Supreme Court ended a controversial term with a trifecta of rulings of concern to progressives. After gutting affirmative action protocols for college admissions and the Biden administration's plan to forgive student loans, the conservative supermajority took a major swipe at LGBTQ plus rights. KPFA news reporter Christina Honested dissected the high court's 303 versus Elena decision that queer customers cannot put words into a web designer's mouth. The Supreme Court's decision upholds designer Lori Smith's refusal to provide customized website services for same-sex marriages. Despite a state law where she lives, barring discrimination based on sexual orientation, race, gender, and other characteristics. She argued the Colorado law violates her First Amendment free speech rights, and the nation's highest court agreed. Justice Neil Gorsuch, a Donald Trump appointee, wrote for the court six conservative justices that the First Amendment envisions a country where people are, quote, free to think and speak as they wish. Truly disgusting and sickening that this is what we're facing. Jorge Reyetalina with Equality California says he's appalled at the ruling. Six justices decided to once again ignore years of president and allow businesses to discriminate against LGBTQ plus people. In essence, this is this was a fake case concerning an imaginary conflict that now is setting us back. And this is not happening in a vacuum. We're seeing all this anti-LGBTQ plus rhetoric policies and attacks, especially having a conservative Supreme Court just really does ignite fear and uncertainty in LGBTQ plus people. The decision comes after the human rights campaign declared a state of emergency for LGBTQ plus Americans, having documented more than 500 anti-LGBTQ plus pieces of legislation proposed in Republican-led state houses across the country. More than 75 of them signed into law. This was a test case that was devised by a group called Alliance Defending Freedom that has been trying to get the Supreme Court to do exactly what it did this morning for many years. Matthew Stern is a columnist at Slate. He spoke on a panel at UC Irvine shortly after the decision was handed down. No same-sex couple has ever asked Lori Smith <laughs> to <design laughs> a website for their wedding. Guardian columnist Maria Donegan was also on the panel. Smith's legal team asserts that uh, within 24 hours of her filing this lawsuit, she in fact did receive a request from a man named Stewart, along with his contact information. Melissa Gria Grant, who is a uh, reporter at the New Republic, reached out to Stewart uh, to ask him about his request. He had never made such a request. He lives in another state and is, in fact, married to a woman. Amy Goodman of Democracy Now! followed up on the peculiar twist in the 303 creative case. We're joined by Melissa Gira Grant, staff writer at The New Republic. Her new piece is headlined, The Mysterious Case of the Fake Gay Marriage Website, The Real Straight Man and the Supreme Court. Okay, Melissa, lay it out for us. In 2016, this website designer named Lori Smith, whose business is called 303 Creative, she believed that a Colorado anti-discrimination ordinance that protects people from discrimination, among other things, um, from discrimination based on sexual orientation, she believed that that 
precluded her from entering into the wedding website business. Now, she has never created a wedding website for anybody, including a same-sex couple. So in the course of making this argument, she claimed that this law meant that she couldn't post an announcement on her website saying that she wouldn't make these websites for any couple that wasn't in a biblical marriage that she approved of. And in a later filing in that original case in 2016, she claimed that an actual same-sex couple sought to have her build a website for them. It doesn't seem that it was a legitimate inquiry, but it remained in the case. It came up in the district court ruling that ruled against her. It came up in their appeal. It's even been included in filings to the Supreme Court and was referenced by her attorneys, Alliance Defending Freedom, who are a Christian nationalist law project, they said, hey, she's had an actual inquiry. But before this inquiry became um, a subject of debate, it hadn't really been reported out until um, I was able to reach the person who allegedly made the inquiry. This is well. unbelievable. You're a general reporter, and you just decide to look at the documents of this case. Yeah, what? I, I am, I'm just sort of like shrugging and shifting in my seat because like, yes, I've covered the Supreme Court. I've covered cases that I spent months of my life on. This is one that you know came up in the course of reporting on anti-LGBTQ issues, which is mostly what I do. And, you know, I just saw this phone number in a filing and I thought, well, let's call this guy. Right. Let's see if this is a, a real inquiry. So there was a name, yeah. there was a phone number and address and you call the man in Colorado. Uh, well, he's not in Colorado. I learned that right away. Um, you know, his it is his real a real person's name. It is a real person's phone number. It is a real person's email address. It is a real person's website. But when I called that real person and it wasn't hard to reach him, he was happy to talk to me. He's very reasonable, nice guy who had no idea that his information was in this case. And he had never heard about it from another reporter. No one had ever called him to check this inquiry out, which would suggest also that the attorneys in this case did not reach out to him to verify this. It suggests that, you know, once it made it to the Supreme Court, it was just sort of established as assumed fact that there was a genuine inquiry here. But let's be clear just, on this man. Yeah. Uh, he is married to a woman, has a child, and had no plans yeah. to have a gay marriage, and never, he said, uh, submitted any request to this woman who doesn't make marriage websites to make him a marriage web, a gay no, marriage website? Not at all. And, you know, I looked into his background. It seems credible. I've been talking with him on and off since the, the first phone call I made to him on Tuesday. Um, you know, he... He's appalled by this. You know, he is progressive. He supports abortion rights. He was horrified to hear that the group that was bringing this was one of the groups that helped undo Roe versus Wade. Um, he doesn't want any part of the spotlight. And he had no idea that he had been pulled into this case, that somebody posing as him, in truth, pulled him into this case. Um, I have to give some credit to Justice Sotomayor, who, in oral argument, got into the nitty gritty of, well, hold on, hold on, like, what websites are you forbidden from making? Like, let's look into your actual brief. And it was through that question that I found this inquiry in the brief. The inquiry didn't come up in oral argument. It wasn't a subject of back and forth in the filings ahead of oral argument. So, you know, I don't know that this inquiry would have ever been decisive in what the Supreme Court decides. But for me, it's just it's so indicative of all of the questions and concerns people have had about this court so, and the legitimacy of this court. And so tell us what this group, the Alliance Defending Freedom or ADF, is that brought this case. ADF started in the 1990s. Um, they are really invested in this 
project that we would now call Christian nationalism. They believe that Christians have a right to decide the way that this country and its laws function. They are, you know, fundamentally opposed to the separation of church and state. And so a lot of their cases kind of came from that place. Um, they've been very successful in getting cases before the Supreme Court. People may have uh, heard of the Masterpiece Cake Shop case, which is kind of similar to this one. Um, but at least in that case, there was an actual gay wedding and there was an actual gay wedding cake that was at issue. Like here, there is no wedding. There is no website. Um, it, it's troubling that a group that's pushing this agenda, uh, attacking queer and trans people, you know, they're behind the anti-trans laws that we've seen pop up by the dozens across the country over the last few years. If they, all they have to bring is, you know, fantasies of things that gay people someday may do, what does that say um, about their project? And what does it say about the court that they're willing to entertain something that's based on something so flimsy? That was New Republic reporter Melissa Gyra Grant with Democracy Now!'s Amy Goodman. Christina Onestad examined some of the criticisms of the Supreme Court decision. Litigants warned that a win for Smith and her company, 303 Creative, would allow a range of businesses to discriminate, a concern echoed by White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. We are deeply disappointed in the Supreme Court's decision today, which takes our nation backward in the fight for equality. She's the nation's first openly gay presidential spokesperson. It's even more disappointing as we close out Pride Month today. It chips away at a long-standing laws that protect all Americans Americans against discrimination in public accommodations, including people of color, people with disabilities and people of faith, and women. The decision is also a retreat on gay rights for the court. For nearly three decades, the Supreme Court has expanded the rights of LGBTQ plus people, giving same-sex couples the right to marry in 2015, and announcing five years later in a decision written by Neil Gorsuch that a landmark civil rights law also protects gay, lesbian, and transgender people from employment discrimination. But in his latest decision, Gorsuch sided with religious freedoms. His decision suggests artists, photographers, videographers, and writers are among those who could refuse to offer what the court called expressive services, if doing so would run contrary to their beliefs. But that's different from other businesses not engaged in speech and therefore not covered by the First Amendment, like restaurants and hotels. There's a saying that bad cases make bad law. Dan Farber is a professor of law at UC Berkeley. He says the ruling could be construed as a loophole and it leaves some room for lower courts interpretation. It's not like an open license to, I don't know, refuse to sell groceries to gay people or something like that. But there's a lot of room between that and what we're told about this uh, creative web designer. And I don't know where the line is going to be drawn in between. Farber disputes it will have far-reaching implications. For instance, he says it's not the first time the Supreme Court has upheld discrimination. They allowed the Boy Scouts to refuse to uh, have a gay man as a scoutmaster. I think the Boy Scout case has not had huge repercussions. And maybe this will be similar, where it will be hard to persuade courts to allow those kinds of exceptions. In the dissent, Justice Sonia Sotomayor wrote that it's a sad day in American constitutional law, 
and in the lives of LGBTQ people. She wrote the immediate symbolic effect of the decision is to mark gays and lesbians for second class status. The opinion of the court is quite literally a notice that reads some services may be denied to same sex couples. President Joe Biden said in a statement that's why we must pass the Equality Act which would enshrine civil rights protections for LGBTQ plus Americans in federal law. But with Republicans in control of the House, that's unlikely to happen. I'm Christina Onestead. Children born today will grow up in a world without donuts. Hello, I'm Robbie Kaplan, the author of Then Comes Marriage, United States v. Windsor and the Defeat of Doma. And you are listening to This Way Out, the international radio show for all our sexually diverse communities. So many kinds of books with different styles and different looks. Which are best, we just can't say. We can't say. But whichever one you pick, it'll do the trick. Hey, come on and read a book today. Yeah, come on and read a book The Los Angeles School Board's lesbian president, Jackie Goldberg, is no drag queen, but she turned the June 7th meeting into a story hour that packed a punch. Following the ugly protest against one elementary school's Pride Month assembly, the board unanimously approved a resolution in support of LGBTQ plus education. Goldberg read the great big book of families during the discussion, and her powerful speech about it went viral. I'm sorry. I told you this was personal. I went through with this. My son was harassed because he had two mommies. But my grandchildren aren't. That's progress. But I say to all of you, nobody in this district will ever ever sexualize any kid for any reason in any classroom in any way, shape, or form. And those of you who believe that this might happen are allowed to read the curriculum materials, are invited into the assemblies with your children, are invited not to have your children go to the assemblies. I do not believe in forcing a parent to have a child attend assembly that they feel would be violating their values. That's fine with me. We don't all have to agree. In fact, none of us all agree. But we are going to stand up and say to people shouting outside of a school and to the media that when you broadcast this in the way that you did, you frightened LGBTQ kids and adults in every school in this district and in this city. And we must take much more care about how we elevate an assembly reading a book with one line, one sentence, one sentence that said also there are families that have two mommies and two daddies. That was the terror outside of Sadakoy. I want to close by saying to those parents who were very afraid, I understand your fear. I'm not saying that there aren't people trying to make people afraid. There's one whole party in this country now whose whole campaign is to make everybody afraid of everybody else. Everybody afraid of everybody else. We're afraid of immigrants. We're afraid of black people. We're afraid of brown people, old Chinese people. We're afraid of gay people. We're afraid of this people. We're afraid of those people. 
Fear is not our friend. Love is. Thanks for choosing This Way Out, brought to you by the nonprofit Overnight Productions. Newswrap was reported this week by Marcos Nahara and Nico Raquel and produced by Brian DeShazer. Our U.S. Supreme Court coverage came from KPFA News reporter Christina Onestad and Democracy Now!'s Amy Goodman. Blondie, Shorty Long, and Between the Lions performed some of the music you heard, and Kim Wilson composed and performed our theme music. This way out thanks David Hunt and Richard Merck and Brad Payton of Silicon Valley. Listener donors make this program possible. Please join them. Look for This Way Out Radio on social media, email us at info at thiswayout.org, or write to us at P.O. Box 1065, Los Angeles, California, 90078, USA. For coordinating producer Greg Gordon and the entire This Way Out crew, I'm Lucia Chappelle. Thanks for listening online at thiswayout.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And on KYAQ, Newport, Lincoln County, Oregon, WTND, Makeham, Illinois, to CHR, Chesnock, New South Wales, and a wide array of community terrestrial and internet radio stations around the world, including this one. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay tuned, y'all.